welcome back to Go Call Your Sister. This is a very exciting episode. We apologize for not having an episode last week. As you guys know, it was Allie's moving week last week, so there was a lot going on, and we just decided to take a week off so everyone could get in the flow. But we're back with a very special episode and a very special guest host. Welcome back, Blaine. Thank you. So excited to be stepping in for Allie today. Can't wait to talk about what me and Sarah Caroline have just experienced in the jungle. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so if you guys listened to our last episode, we talked about me just getting home from Costa Rica, but that we didn't want to do a full dive in because we wanted to do a full episode. I think the Costa Rica trip deserves a full solo episode. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to run right through it and give you guys every little detail of our trip. So before we dive into the Costa Rica tell-all, Blaine, how's your week going this week? What have you been up to? This week, I've been uh, enjoying being an American and drinking my little Starbucks. Um, It was actually my birthday this week, so I had a little B-Day party on the beach. Perry made me a beautiful cake. We threw a bonfire, and yeah, just adjusting to life back in the USA this week. (laughs) Yes, Blaine, it was a birthday girl this week, a fresh 24-year-old. That was so much fun. I loved that. Yeah, it's really funny, like, moving here and only being here for two months and having a birthday. Like, it's interesting when you have birthdays because I feel like it really shows you, like, wait, do I have friends right now? <laughs> Where, how am I doing in like the social aspect of life? Because you're like, wait, who would even come to my birthday party? But all the homies showed up. So more than I yeah, could before. There is a big crowd at Blaine's birthday beach extravaganza. And I thought it was really fun because it was like all these different people from like different little parts of your life. Like people, yeah. you know, from Newport, people, you know, from San Diego, everyone came together. And then like, I got to meet a lot of cool people just because you brought like such a beautiful collection of people together. That's good. Honestly, it turned out better than I could have hoped for. So yeah, but I am deciding that next birthday um, for yours, we should go to Visa. (laughs) I totally agree. Yes. We totally deserve that. Yes. We were having this conversation, like I think in Costa Rica about how I had a similar birthday experience because when I turned 24, I had just moved as well. And I'm used to having these like lavish, large birthdays. Like for example, last year for Blaine's birthday, we were on a boat in Capri. And for my birthday, we were on a boat in Hawaii. So like we were used to these like big birthdays surrounded by all these friends. It was a little bit of a shock having a birthday in a new place. I wasn't like a huge fan. For real, I'm like, wait, so I don't have 70 of my closest friends available yeah, yeah. to come so, my life? <laughs> exactly. We've decided that for my birthday, which happens to fall at a good time because my birthday is around spring break. quote unquote adult spring break, um, we're going to go to Europe doing a visa send or something of that nature. And then if we plan far ahead in advance, we can just like observe it as our adult spring break. Yes, I love that plan. So my week since getting back, honestly, I've just been trying to like get into some sort of routine and get my bearings back together. This past weekend, we had a lot going on. It was my cousin Olivia's 21st birthday, and then it was Blaine's birthday. It was my roommate Raina's birthday. So it's just like a big birthday, four-day bender, but it was fun. 
And I haven't really done much since, just kind of been like working and grinding and getting into routine. But last night I went to see the Barbie movie Mm. and I had been looking forward to going like obviously everyone else, but I decided to go to the 10.30 p.m. showing, which I don't know who I thought I was trying to go to a 10.30 p.m. movie, but in California, it's so hard to get tickets to Barbie because every seat is sold out. Like every- Literally every seat. It's crazy. So we found tickets to the 10.30 showing and I literally fell asleep during the Barbie movie. I'm so sad. I could not keep my eyes open. Like I just couldn't. So- that's we'll all I could do. <laughs> yeah, I'm going home um, this upcoming Thursday, and I'm really excited just to spend like a long weekend in Oxford. And I told my mom that we'd see it together, and she already got us matching like outfits to wear, so it'll be fine. It'll be a good redo. Unpopular opinion, but I didn't really think that the Barbie movie was like my favorite movie ever. Did you see it? Already? I saw it on Tuesday night. And it was, don't get me wrong, could not have done a better job myself at the Barbie movie, but (laughs) I think it was super hyped and I don't know if it really hit the spot for me personally. I feel like you could have played Barbie really well. Like you could have been like the adventure Barbie and the adventure Barbie. But I kind of felt the same way. Like I only slept like majority at the end. And I, so I did get to see like the first you know, two thirds of the movie. And I agree. I thought it was super well done. I really liked the like empowering women theme. Like I loved how everyone in Barbie land was like, you're so good. And then the girls were like, I know, but I did feel like there were a lot of like plot lines that were just kind of like running all over the place. And I couldn't really like figure out what the true plot line was. I just wanted, I guess, more justice for Ken. Um, kind of felt like he deserved a little bit more of a, a comeback. Yeah, I, th- I thought that they would end up like, I don't know, I don't want to spoil, spoil anything. Yeah, yeah actually, like, yeah. yeah, but anyways, I thought like the production and the costumes and the, the like set and everything, like Margot Robbie is so like beautiful to look at that I was just like, okay, she can do whatever and it'll be great. Literally. So that's pretty much a recap of our weeks. I think we've both just been getting back in our flow, celebrating big birthdays. And now I think we're finally ready to talk about our Costa Rica trip with World Packers. So Blaine, since you were kind of the first one to find World Packers and you were the one to find this trip, can you kind of give like a summary of like why we even went and what World Packers is? Okay, so World Packers is basically a volunteer exchange website where you can go on, you can look up like keywords, like if you want to live on a boat in Ibiza, you could just type in those words. Or if you want to volunteer with sea turtles, like it'll show you 20 projects or like surf hostels, all sorts of random little jobs that you can go do in other countries and be compensated with housing and meals every day. Um, I actually went on a trip with World Packers to Croatia where I was a boat party promoter. And that was crazy. And it was super fun. We stayed in a really nice house uh, with the owner of the company who's like 25. 
And like my job there was basically to party on a boat for a day, mm-hmm. take cute videos and hand out tickets. So I was like, all right, World Packers is sick. I'm totally down to work with them again. Um, and they asked if I wanted to collaborate again this summer. And I was like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. I would love a spontaneous trip. And I guess like, I always thought it would be cool to do more of like a mission trip sort of thing, like where you go and you like serve an environmental project or like people. And I love turtles. I love the ocean. So I was like, let's, let's see what we can come up with. So typed in those words, sea turtles, found a project in uh, Costa Rica. And I was like, all right, I'll just do it. Um, didn't really look into what they were going to be shacking us up. (laughs) I also was looking for like where the sea turtle project was in Costa Rica. It seemed pretty far out, but I kind of liked that idea. Like, oh, going to the not touristy part of Costa Rica. Yeah. Um, And they also reached out to Sarah Caroline and she was I don't know if you were going to do it before, but when I told you I was doing the Costa Rica project, you were like, fuck yeah, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And this was all happening during like the height of the gloom, like the May gray and June gloom in Southern California. So like you could have literally told me that we were going to go to any place and I would have been like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. I will book my flights accordingly. And I don't know, it came at a good time. It gave me something to be excited about. But yeah, World Packers had reached out to me a couple times in the past, but I don't know if I could ever send something like that by myself. I like prefer to travel with one of my best friends because all of us are so like senders. So you can usually rope someone into going with you. And that's exactly what Blaine did. And when I saw it was a sea turtle conservation in a sunny place, it was warm. I was like, let's go. And yeah, I think we both didn't really look into it past turtles yeah past turtles we our eyes got like all glossy at the word turtles yeah that's all we knew um but what would you say your like expectations were going into the trip because I felt like I tried to like have little to no expectations and we saw like five pictures on on world packers they give you a little like blurb about the project there's a couple reviews and all the reviews were great and then there were a couple pictures and it did show us like the sleeping area, but I don't know why my brain just like didn't register what we would actually be doing. Yeah. Um, my expectations personally, I felt like it was going to be something. Okay. You put it perfectly when you said like us on boats, plucking little sea turtles out of the ocean getting straws out of their nostrils you know you see those videos you see those videos yeah we've seen the videos of like people in the ocean rescuing sea turtles and i was like thinking for some reason we'd be in like a little veterinary center washing sea turtle shells and like fixing their little fins you know more scientific i guess but it did not it wasn't like that. It was yeah. Like so just to like set the scene of the travel day. So to get to this place, like Blaine said, it was hard place to get to. It was called Porto 
Jimenez, Puerto Jimenez is very remote part of Costa Rica. So like Costa Rica has two, I think, main airports or really just one and it's in San Jose. So we couldn't figure out a good flight path. And that almost stopped us from going because they gave us a budget for our flights, but it was like starting to like well exceed this budget because there were so many moving parts. And so what we decided on was we were going to fly out of Tijuana because for us in San Diego and Blaine's in Newport, it's a little bit easier for us to fly out of Tijuana than to fly out of LA just because of how hard it is to get to LAX. And then you have like such a long drive when you get home. So we found a flight out of Tijuana and it was a red eye, which I like to do because you fly during the night, you land in the morning, you might be a little delirious, but we also had to be at the project at a certain time. So we thought, um, which really didn't apply at all, but we were told that we had to be there by Monday. So we find these flights. We basically Uber down to the border cross in Tijuana, which was great. So easy. And then we flew from Tijuana to Mexico City and then from Mexico City to San Jose. And that was great. I thought those flights went really well. It was like very seamless. Yeah. On the way there, I had an exit row to myself. We got to like sleep. It was great. Um, and then after we landed in San Jose, that's where the kind of chaotic part came in. So to get to Puerto Jimenez, we had like basically two options. One was to take a seven hour bus ride and the reviews were horrible. People were like, there was no bathroom. It was like actually 12 hours. We got late. stuck. Yeah. Down. Exactly. So we were like, uh, and like, I'm way more of a planner. I think you would have probably sent the bus ride. I would have done it because the freaking flights ended up being so expensive. Like, we probably spent $180 to go an hour in this little half yeah. flight versus yeah, like so 20 bucks. But the next option, aside from the bus, was the hopper flight. And I kept telling Blaine, like, I think we should do the hopper flight. One, because it's 30 minutes and it's not a bus. But two, I think this will be really great content because I'd never been on like a little hopper plane like that. And so we get out of the San Jose airport. This was such a funny part. We get out of the airport and we have all of our stuff and we're like, okay, where do we go? And there's this man standing on the corner and he goes, are you guys flying out of the domestic terminal? Are you looking for Sansa Airlines? And we were like, um, yeah, but like kept walking because we were like, is he trying to like get money out of us or something? And he's like, oh, come with me, come with me. And we're like, is this free? Like, are you charging us? And he was like, no, just walk this way. And it turns out he was just simply directing us to the domestic terminal. Like, he was so nice. He didn't want anything. Meanwhile, we're, like, sussing him out. And we're, like, we have all our bags. And we're, like, how much are you charging us for this five-minute walk? What's going on here? Yeah. He showing us that Pura Vida, you know. He was. And we get out of the airport and everyone's, like, waving from their cars. And, like, it was sweet. And we walked just, like, from the main airport into the domestic terminal to get on our hopper flight to Puerto Jimenez. And that was the third flight of the day. And then the hopper flight was great. It was really quick. There was a little bit of a storm on the way there that was sort of scary. But um, once we got to Puerto, Puerto Jimenez, I had no idea what to expect. I was just like, okay, you know, Jesus take the wheel. I don't know. And the guy who set up our trip helped us coordinate with a taxi driver that was also really expensive. We had to pay $90 for this taxi ride. And he taxied us like two hours into the jungle. Like, yeah, I mean, like rightfully so we had to pay that much. It wasn't like it was like a 20 minute ride, but like that was another added expense. Bonus. And 
we land at this airport in Puerto Jimenez and there is just nothing. It's literally a runway and then there's a gate, like a, an actual fence with a hole cut in the middle. And then the taxi drivers were just waiting on the other side and they just unloaded our bags from the plane on the runway, sent us through this little hole in a fence. And there was Arturo, our taxi driver, waiting for us. And literally like this town that we landed in, I'm going to say it was probably 15, 10 to 15 homes um, in a grocery store and a gas station. And keep in mind, we're still like, two hours from our destination into the jungle when we got like out to our taxi driver Arturo he was like are you sure you guys don't want to get supplies like you're going in the jungle and my dumbass forgot like a bag of stuff in Newport so I like didn't have flip-flops didn't have a towel the whole week like had no (laughs) supplies for this trip that I needed and I was like nah like when we're in this jungle camp, surely we'll have some free time to like go walk to a local town and get snacks or whatever we need. Yeah. Little did we know that there would be no town and there'd be no stores. And he kept like encouraging us. He was like, you know, go in there and get, get some stuff at the this like big supermarket. And we were like, eh, we don't really need any stuff. Like we have, we have our stuff. And then we ended up getting like a couple of little treats. We got like a bottle of water. And then we had this beautiful idea. We're like, okay, we're going to get a case of beer. We're going to get a case of Imperial light and we're going to get to the camp. And it's going to be, cause I would say my expectation was like, I was thinking surf hostel, like cool young surfer people who like love sea turtles, everyone hanging out, having a good time, tan surfing, so I was like, they would love a beer. Like they would love it. So we get 12, a 12 pack of Imperial Lights and then we go on our merry way into the jungle. Um, so we, we taxi for two hours. Arturo shows us monkeys and parrots. He dances like Shakira for us. It was a very enjoyable ride down. We're listening to Rufus to Soul. And so the vibes are high. Uh, we realized that we're going quite far into desolation and we finally roll up to this camp around like sundown. We get out of the car. We have our little case of beer ready to just be the stars of the sea turtle camp. And we're like, guys, hello, it's Blaine and Sarah Caroline. We've brought you a present. And a couple of people come out and they're like, oh my God, ha 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 ha. Oh my god, you guys are so funny. Let let's take a picture of you. And we're like, okay. Ah, uh, like okay, like they really love us already. Like they're so happy we brought them beer from civilization. Like this is going to be such a great week. So, they take a picture of us. Everyone's laughing. We put the beer in the fridge and me and Sarah Caroline go over to the chill zone, which is basically like a bunch of hammocks in the dark underneath uh, the dorms. And me and Sarah Caroline are like, damn, like we've made such a good first impression. Like we're killing it already. Like, oh my gosh. And then I'll let you take away. <laughs> so we, we then grabbed two beers. We're like, okay, well, like we're here. And also when we pulled up, I think when that, that's when I realized like, 
oh my fucking god this is not (laughs) what is this place like i was expecting like hostile like there'd be like there would be buildings and there was just not like there was one kitchen area it was the only place it had light because it gets dark really early in Costa Rica. like it sunsets like 5 45 so there's one kitchen area with light bulbs and then everything else is dark so it was really hard to get like our bearings about where we even were all we i was seeing all i was seeing was just like black like shed treehouse looking things and i was just like where am i like oh my goodness where am i and we've been traveling for 24 hours there was like two light bulbs in the whole camp also, and they were in the kitchen. So everywhere else you had to wear a headlamp yeah. to see anything. And we almost didn't even bring headlamps. I just happened to order a pack that were pink because I thought it'd be cute for like content. And it was like our lifeline of our trip. Yeah. So anyways, we grabbed two beers. We're like, okay, let's just go like kind of settle in the chill zone in the hammock area. And let's just kind of like figure out what's going on and kind of come to our senses a little bit. And then this girl comes over and she walks up to us and she was like, hey, I don't know. Like, I hate to say this, but there's no beer allowed here. And we were like, so shook. We were like, wait, what? Like, everyone was just like cheering. They were taking pictures of us. Like, everyone was laughing and giggling out of elation, we thought. And it turns out they were just laughing at us. They were just. They were just, yeah, it was crazy. So we were like, oh my gosh, we've been here for like one minute and we already broke a rule. But we already had our beer and we already opened it. So we're like, well, we're just going to keep enjoying these two. She brought the beers to us and was like, there's no space in the fridge for these. Here you go. And she was basically like, you can't have those here. And we're like, (laughs) holding our drinks. Like, Uh, okay, well, I guess uh, I'll finish this one. anyway so yeah that was like our first impression we were kind of thinking like okay these people like I guess aren't as warm as we thought I guess they're making fun of us and now we can't have beer and we're in the dark and that's how we like went to bed on night one and I was just like night one we're like "Mm, I don't know this yeah so night so okay night one was just kind of like a whole wait wait let's tell them about dinner what we oh my god okay yeah yeah so after we break the rules we're kind of sitting there because now we're feeling awkward because we're like oh like do people like us like I thought we were like this the stars we brought beer and now we're kind of like I don't know so now it's time for dinner and how we do meals at the camp we're basically just like every meal is a family style meal everyone sits down at the table together and every day two people get assigned the job of cooking so you have to cook lunch and dinner and So this was Monday night and on Saturday, Sundays and Mondays, the food starts to run really low because they haven't replaced it for the week yet. So our first dinner was like the night that there was like no food left. It was like they give us this plate and I swear to God, it was probably like 11 grains of rice, five or six beans. (laughs) And like a mashed up vegetable. And like a cucumber or something like that. And there's there's no meat at the camp. Like there no. it's only vegetarian aside from you get six eggs, which would be like some sort of protein. And then there's peanut butter. But other than that, like strictly vegetarian. I look at Sarah Caroline after we get this meal and I'm like, bro, 
I felt like I was going to feel like Gandhi after this experience, just the fasting, <laughs> not eating, not having yeah. service. <laughs> and you, like, we figured out how much weight we actually lost at the camp because we had to weigh ourselves before and after getting on this hopper flight because they had to weigh each individual person. And I lost nine and a half pounds in, <laughs> in seven, in eight nights. I lost nine and a half pounds. Yeah. And it was the most, it was a craziest experience, but. The walking though, I would say like the meals weren't like that the entire time. It was just like that last dinner. They had no food left, but um, the meals were okay the rest of the week. But they also like, we'd have to walk five miles on the beach morning and night. So. Yeah. It was definitely interesting when it came to the cooking aspect of like how creative people got because we didn't have a lot of stuff and we didn't have a lot of supplies and people would whip out these like really creative meals, like veggie burgers. We had crepes. We did like a whole French dinner that this group of French people made. It was, it was really interesting and impressive, but that was the first night. I think we were just kind of in shell shock. And then throughout the week it got better, but day two was when okay. we. Let's yeah. also tell the story. I know we're telling a lot of negative stories. Um, that finding out that we could not swim or surf or anything. Oh yeah. So before dinner was over that night, me and Sarah Caroline are sitting talking with the other girls. Just you know, we can hear waves, but we haven't seen the beach yet. So I asked this one, like, "Oh, can we surf out there? Like, I hear the waves. It sounds big." And she was like, "No," <laughs> and I was like okay, um, can you like snorkel, free dive? Like me thinking, oh, maybe it's just like not good surfing waves. And she was like, absolutely not. Like, no, ha 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 ha. And I was like, okay, why first of all? And basically in front of our camp is this river mouth into the ocean, whole ocean filled with crocodiles and tiger sharks. And rip currents. And rip currents and like it was like the most deadly trio that they could have said: tiger sharks, aggressive crocodiles, and rip currents. We were like, "Oh, we thought we were going to a surf hostel." Like, they were like, "You can't even get in the water here." And I was like, "What?" And then I was like, "Okay, if we can't surf or snorkel or swim here, like, where can we swim? Like, where do we go?" This girl, dead ass, looks me in the eyes and she goes, maybe a hotel pool. And they all bust out laughing. They're all like, ha, 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 ha. I'm like. We were crushed. We were I crushed. Sarah and I'm like, bro, get me. In the same like 10 minute span, we got in trouble for the beer. We had no food. And then we were told that we couldn't swim. So it was just like a devastating like couple of minutes. But I know these stories like all sound kind of negative, but we just want to like set the scene for how the first night went for us because it was truly like culture shock. And I think on Instagram, like you have the issue of like everything looking more glamorous than it is, but this is truly like how the first night went for us. And we were just kind of like shook. But at that point we were exhausted and we just went to bed and like, we couldn't even really see our living. We just kind of like, it was pitch black dark. We just like got in our beds and went to sleep. But the next morning, it was our first full day. It's kind of when we fully got to see the camp for what it was in the daytime. And it was a sunny day. It was really beautiful. But 
we got to kind of see everything in the light and we start to see like, you know, we're staying in this, it's basically was like a tree house. It was on stilts and there were bunk beds and then every bunk bed had like a mosquito net over it. So it was like extremely jungle vibes, like very rural. And then we see the rest of the place. So my favorite part of the camp was the chill out zone. We would spend a lot of time there and it was just basically like underneath the cabin part because it was on stilts. It was like a little shaded area and there were a bunch of hammocks and then like books and stuff like that. And people would just sit in there and read. And so that was like my favorite part of the camp. And then the bathroom situation was like adjacent to the cabin. And it was basically just an outside area with two showers and two toilets. And there was also no light in the bathroom. So like if we didn't have our headlamps, you wouldn't even be able to shower because there was no light. There was no light. Also, it was cold showers. Um, I would like to add that. But it was really funny. One night in the bathroom, I like took my headlamp, you know, I surveilled the bathroom before I sat down. Didn't see anything crazy. I'm on the toilet and I hear this large animal scurry behind my back. And I'm like, what is that? And I look down and there is a puppy-sized crab, as Sarah Caroline described it, literally skittling by my feet. And I was like, ah! That was some crab. a crazy part about this whole experience. Aside from everything else, it was just like the wildlife that was there. These that crabs were huge like they were the size of a golden retriever puppy like they were huge like not even joking they were really fucking big and one got stuck in the bathroom and it was like "Ah," underneath this pole i'd like bang it out with a stick i find blaine like doing something in the bathroom i'm like what is she doing in there and i walk over and she's like there's a crab that's stuck behind a pole and i'm like blaine those crabs are so scary like those crabs are mean leave it leave it to die and blaine's like no i can't like i have to get it out and the crab's like thrashing at her and she's just trying to get it out grabbing this pole i'm like let go let go of it but it survived after hours of me working on this it survived and yeah there were like a lot of bugs on the first day i did get stung by a wasp that was crazy we like well we're walking back from the beach and i got stung and i was like okay is this how it's gonna go because but then the good thing was after that part like i wasn't as scared of the wasp anymore because i was like okay it did the worst it could do to me and like what else literally after like i'd say day three or four is when like the bugs stopped being as menacing to us like a spider landed on me at dinner and I just plucked it right off. And I was like, wow, wow, wow. I had like right. grasshoppers landing on me, like giant creatures at all times. Yeah, it was crazy. But so some parts that I did like about it were like, you have to adjust to the setting. You have to adjust yeah. to what's going on. Because coming from like a very comfortable life in California and being put in the middle of the jungle and like, you have to adjust. Like, I don't think anyone would be able to like seamlessly just kind of like, okay, I'm here and this is what we're doing now. So after we adjusted, I feel like that's when we kind of got to see like the true good parts in it. And something that I loved was like before going to Costa Rica, I felt like I had been really like mentally exhausted in California, like just kind of hustling all the time, tired. And this was truly like the most simple form of living 
I've ever done. Like we'd wake up in the morning, roll out of our little nets. I would go to the kitchen. We had this coffee pot machine with like a cheesecloth and we'd make our coffee and we'd make like a little piece of toast, peanut butter and banana. And then like the only obligation for the rest of the morning was to like go read in the chill out zone Literally. or go on a beach walk or do nothing. And it was just, it was funny because every day Blaine and I like would come to each other and be like, okay, what's our schedule for today? Just so we'd have like some sort of flow of our day. And the first couple of days we had to like spend learning about the sea turtles and like we had meetings, we had to learn about the camp rules, like what days we had to cook, like all these things. And we weren't doing our sea turtle patrols yet. So we were just kind of like hanging out. Like we were doing beach workouts. We had our coconut extravaganza beach walk where we got our own coconut down. And that was just like very simple life. Like it was, it was nice because I felt like after being so mentally exhausted and being so run down, like my brain kind of like came back into my body and I was like, okay, I'm one with nature. I don't have a lot to do. So I'm just going to relax. Yeah. I think like what I was saying before with it being like a fast for us, it really was like a fast for me and Sarah Caroline because like we didn't really have much to do. Like our main excitement for the day was like gathering all the girls from the camp and making them do an ab workout with us on the beach for sunset. And like we had like a guided meditation hour with all the little girls. And yeah, and we did make friends eventually. Let's say after the first day, we had one girl that we love named Africa who was like very welcoming to us on the first day. She was kind of like our leader because the guy who coordinated our trip who we were in contact with through like our definitely ill hospital. He had an abscess in his throat. That bacteria infection or something fucking crazy. Yeah, he was gone. So we were kind of like, okay, our like leader is not even here. And another thing that I think we forgot to add was like the people who were a part of the camp, they were all like either vet students, like biology students, conservationists. Like it wasn't like it was a bunch of like volunteer surfers. It was like, we were kind of the only two true like volunteers. Everyone else there was doing like internships and stuff. So yeah. I think at first it took a while for people to adjust to us because we were kind of like, we were different. We were the only Americans there. And after a while it became really nice because we got to like meet all of these really like unique people from like way different walks of life. Like yeah. France, Spain, Costa Rica. like. And it was just cool because we were able to like connect with the the people after, you know, the first day we weren't really sure if anyone was going to like really like us. And then we were able to like make friends throughout the time. And it was just so nice to be able to hear their stories of their life and like be with people that are so different from us. I think like that is what made the trip a lot more enjoyable and what makes like every trip more enjoyable is like if you have a bunch of fun people around you and you feel like a sense of community because like if we were there just the two of us like we certainly could have entertained ourselves but like I'm very happy that we managed to assimilate in with everybody and not feel like ostracized for having broken some silly rules (laughs) Yeah. So we would just like do little fun things throughout the day, go to the beach, work out, meditate, like hang out. And then after the first two days, 
after the first two days was when we actually started working with the sea turtles. Cause for a while we were kind of like, when are we going to start seeing the turtles? Like we, you know, we've learned about them. We've gotten ready, but like, when are we going to go? So it was our first morning patrol. And so basically how the camp was laid out was like, there were morning patrols and night patrols and the morning patrols were from like 5 AM to seven. And then there were two night patrols. It was midnight or eight o'clock, 8 PM to midnight and then midnight to four. And so our first patrol was a morning patrol and we went together and we, it was four of us total. And so in the mornings, the job is basically to mark the nests that were laid at night that the night patrol didn't get to catch and like right where they were marked down the coordinates, but also in the mornings, the sea turtles hatch. And so I think like right now is probably the time that there's a lot of nest hatching. Yeah. Probably right. Yeah. But there'd started to be, um, early nests that were hatching. So we were really hoping we'd get to see like at least one little baby because when they hatch, it's like usually really early in the morning. So we go out on our first morning patrol and we're like not sure what to expect. And we're just kind of like cruising the beach, walking. We walked like five miles every morning patrol and we would like see these nests and whatever. And so then we're kind of like halfway through with our first morning patrol. And we had this dog at the camp named Pablo And he would come with us on the patrols. And it was really cute because he would like walk up and down the beach with us, make sure that we weren't like getting lost. Like he was basically just like babysitting us. And we noticed that he was like pawing at something on the sand. And we were like, Pablo, what do you have? Like, because we hadn't seen any baby turtles. And it turns out he found a baby turtle who had gotten lost. Like he obviously, the nest had hatched and they all went to the ocean. And this one had gotten a little bit turned around and was just kind of like fumbling around in the sand. That was truly one of the most magical experiences of the whole time because we got to pick up this like little creature, which like in day-to-day life, you're not supposed to touch sea turtles. Like you can never be close to them. You have to let them do their thing. Like in Hawaii, we would see them in the water, but we couldn't like get close to them. And just picking up this like little life, it was no bigger than like the center of my palm of my hand. And we got to pick it up and walk it to the ocean and like, set it on its way. And it was just, it was so magical. It was like, I can't even describe it when we saw that. It was so magical. Like even the, like that student that was with us, like, yeah, you guys can pick it up, take it to the ocean. She was like, yes, like, and like a lot of the people there had been volunteering for months and hadn't even seen a baby sea turtle hatch yet. So like, we just felt so radiantly lucky to find like this little creature and actually get to like place it where it could get its way to the ocean. And just to think too, like, okay, honestly, the rates for sea turtles living out in the wild is pretty low and they're already impacted by poachers and stuff. So to be able to help one little guy like make his way instead of yeah. just die in the sands, like a lot of them do, I felt really like really proud of us. Yeah. And we learned so much about sea turtles, like while being there, I've never had like a deep, I obviously like, like to see them and I love how beautiful they are, but I've never had like a, you know, time where I could learn things like only like one in every 1000 sea turtle lives to be an adult. And then when they are adults, they spend all this time and, you know, basically in finding Nemo, when the sea turtles are floating through the current and they're like, yeah, dude, that's what they do for like the first 20 years of their life and then the females 
come back after mating season to the beach they were born on. They like extinct, they instinctively know where they were born and no matter where they are on the earth, they make that journey back to the same beach. And so like seeing these baby turtles and then in turn in the night patrols, we would see the moms. And it was just such a full circle of life of like this tiny little thing embarks on this huge journey. And then they come back. Like 20 and it was minutes later. Beautiful. So and crazy. That was the morning patrols. And we were exhausted. That was the thing after the first morning patrol. Cause before that we were like, why haven't we been doing this every morning? Like we need to be patrolling day and night. It kills you. You're so exhausted. And oh my gosh, I was so dead after the first patrol. Literally the little French um, vet student we were following on this patrol, she's like marching, practically sprinting down this like hill beach. And me and Sarah Caroline, who we both work out every single day, I would say, or walk miles every day. We're like, oh my God, we're not going to make it like Dead. dead. And also, I feel like a lot of time like was spent just sleeping in this little camp. Like it was so warm and you get back from this like 5 a.m. turtle patrol. Just sleep in your little nest or your hammock. You know, we forgot to talk about the howler monkeys. Oh, my God. Back on the topic of crazy wildlife that we were experiencing. So Blaine and I wake up at, for the shift at like 4.40 a.m., and we walk, so like we sneak out of our beds. You have to be really quiet because everyone's in there asleep. You know, get your stuff, get your headlamp. We walk down to the bathroom area to like brush our teeth and get ready. Oh, my. In, I would say in bed, I could hear these like, Ooh. It was like an ominous, like feral dog sounding like. Ah. And, and it was storming. The like, only thing I have to describe it to is like, I kept saying this, but in the Hunger Games, when they release those animals and you'd hear it in the distance and they'd be like, what is that? Like, we were in the bathrooms like, what is that? It sounded so close to the bathroom and I was just like so scared. It was a blood curdling sound. It sounded like spirits of the jungle, like screaming in like a low voice. It was kind of horrifying. Me and Sarah were like, what the fuck is that? And then everyone was like, oh, it's just the howler monkeys. We were like, What? (laughs) okay so yeah that was the first morning patrol and then we kind of like went about our day our day-to-day looked really similar like every single day like reading working out at the beach walking eating and on in the middle of the week we actually got to do an excursion and so when we were driving in Arturo was telling us our taxi driver about this hotel called Luna Lodge and he was like there's drinks, there's a pool. We were like, oh my gosh, like, do we get to go? And so in the middle of the week, they planned a day trip for us to spend the whole day at Luna Lodge. And this place was like so magical. They sent the hotel staff to pick us up. We get to this, like we drive like 20 minutes. We get to this very remote, like just fairyland magical hotel. They greet us with like ice cold water on platters when we get there. And I'm looking at Blaine like, oh my gosh, we did it. We did it. And we got to spend the whole day at this woman from Colorado who I think we're going to have on the podcast um, soon. She opened this like magical jungle resort and it was just so beautiful. We sat by the pool. We drank little cocktails. Everyone was like laughing and having fun. That was the vibe that I pictured for like the camp. Like, yeah, cocktails. Maybe, 
maybe not the cocktail bar, but like everyone just kind of like giggling and like playing in the water. Yeah. They called this woman. What did Jordan call her? He was like, oh, she's the queen of Golfito or something like that. Like they gave her a title. Like this woman ruled this part of Costa Rica. She was was so spiritual. It was like looking at me and Blaine, like an older version of ourselves. It was so cool just so magical she like came and talked to me and told me like I feel like I need to come and talk to you like you know you've got to start grounding you've got to get outside like it was so beautiful and like that day was just so happy because we were just kind of like laughing and running around and it was so fun and then that night was our first night patrol and so amazing we had no idea what to expect I kind of thought it would follow a similar path of the morning patrol So me and Blaine are separated for this one. I'm on the first patrol. So I'm 8 p.m. to midnight. So we're like at this hotel drinking cocktails and we get dropped back off. And then it's like, okay, time to patrol. And I go out and you're on the beach and it's completely black. Like there's no light. The black, the sand is black. The moon wasn't really even out. It was pitch black dark. And you can't wear your headlamps because this is the time of the night when the moms come up to lay their eggs. So it's like a very special time of the night. And our job essentially is to locate the moms who are laying eggs, literally go behind these mothers, count the eggs that they're laying, measure their shells. And so something else I learned about sea turtles is that when they give birth, they go into this full trance. Like they can't hear or see. They're just like so focused on laying their eggs. And another thing that was crazy is that there were poachers that would go because in Costa Rica, it's like a delicacy to eat the turtle eggs. So that's why there's such an issue with turtles being endangered because people are, you know, getting the eggs and selling them and eating them. So at night, we would see these lights shining on the end of the beach and there would be poachers like looking for the nest. So if we saw poachers, we essentially had to relocate every nest that the moms were laying. And it was just a crazy experience because I kept saying, like, how do you know if there's a turtle? Like, it's so dark how do you know like can't use your light and they're like oh no you'll see it like you'll know you'll see the dark tracks in the sand and almost immediately on my shift I saw I think I saw six moms that night laying eggs and we got to watch them dig these holes they're so careful they're so like loving on how they do it and then as they're giving birth we were pulling the eggs out from the holes and putting them in a bag. And then once they were done, like kind of come out of this trance, they like bury it and they go back to the ocean. And then we would like rebury the nest in a different location where the poachers couldn't get it. And it was just, I can't even explain that. Yeah. My like literally doing that in the middle of the night, laying behind this mother shooting out eggs, like they put you on your stomach right behind the sea turtle and you're counting the eggs shooting out. I'm like in there with my phone recording so that I could get like a video of the whole process for World Packers. And I just felt like I was on like some sort of Nat Geo expedition, like watching the sea turtle, hearing it cry. It they literally, cry. They, they cry like, oh. and they're also like secreting salt water out of their eyes so there's like tears coming down their little turtle face and I I was I had tears in my eyes the whole time because I never witnessed like a birth of any kind no this up close and I was just like 
oh my gosh, like this mom has carried. And once we would get the egg bag, like once we'd put the eggs in the bag, those things were heavy. That she lays like a hundred or so eggs at a time. The bag was like at least 20, 25 pounds of eggs when we were relocating them. And like, she's been carrying around this weight and like, it was just, oh my gosh. And then watching her when she was finished, go back to the ocean, she was like walk a couple of steps and then like rest her head on the sand. And it was crazy. I couldn't even explain it, honestly. After like seeing that, I think any uncomfortableness that I felt with staying in like the jungle commune in that regard, it like made it completely worth it. Like, Being there, seeing life be brought into the world and knowing like you just saved a hundred little eggs from getting stabbed by poachers and pulled out, like it felt so fulfilling. And I remember like the night of my sea turtle patrol, there wasn't as many turtles as Sarah Caroline. So we like took a break in the middle and looked at the stars and there was no moon out. So I could see basically every galaxy, like every star in the sky. We're in the middle of the jungle, two hours away, so there's no light pollution. I ended up seeing like 15 shooting stars and like just being there, it felt like a euphoric dream. Like I can't even explain how amazing that moment was for us. Yeah. And that's kind of when it went like came full circle. Like, okay, we came here. This is what we came to do. We didn't come to like be comfortable. We didn't come to like drink cocktails in the pool. Like we actually came to like experience this crazy gift of life and get to like play some sort of small role in like hoping that these turtles hatch and make it to be adults. And it was just crazy. And I think that like there were a lot of parts of the trip they were really uncomfortable. If I have a YouTube video coming out of like the whole ex- experience you guys can watch. And there were a lot of parts that were uncomfortable, but in that moment, yeah, it kind of hit home for me. Like this is why we came and it made it all worth it. It was so amazing. Yeah. And I think like after the night patrol, it was sort of towards the end of our trip. And I think like the last few days after getting to experience like such special moments with the animals, we were like, all right, this was good. We're super glad we came out. It wasn't like we expected it to be, but it like still fulfilled our souls in a different way, I guess. Yeah. It made it worth it. And like at the end of the trip, when we finished our journey and we were getting picked up, we were in the taxi and I was just thinking like, you know, we're heading back to civilization. We're going to go back to California. But like there were so many parts of the experience that like I truly love, like just the easiness of life, like not having a million things on your plate every day, waking up, having you know 20 obligations. And then, you know, seeing how we change too, like going from being really uncomfortable and really like, what the hell is going on to like, okay, this is our life. We're going to be wet every day. We're going to be humid. It's gonna, we're going to eat random foods. Like there's going to be bugs that land on us and whatever, like it's nature. And I don't know, I felt very like spiritually sound, towards the end of the trip. I mean, I was ready to leave. I think we stayed the perfect amount of time. I don't know how some people stayed for three months. I could never have done it. But at the end of the trip, I just felt very like whole. And that's why the World Packers experiences are so, you know, valuable because as a young person, like you go on trips with your family, you go on vacations, you go to nice hotels, but like 
you don't, you rarely get to be put in those kind of situations where it's just like so uncomfortable and so different. Yeah. And like, not every world Packers trip is like that. Like that one, definitely. I think if you wanted to be like a marine biologist in the future or wanted to get some sort of volunteer or internship for vet school, I feel like that would be amazing. But yeah, like to think we just stayed out there, paid 250 bucks for all of our meals, all of our housing, like, I feel like that was so, so worth it. And just, I don't know, it's really rare that you get a chance to like unplug from life. Like we had no service. Um, The Wi-Fi didn't work when it didn't work when it rained. And it rained all the time. (laughs) So we just read our little books, we meditated for hours a day. And I think that like, we just really connected to nature for the week. Yeah. When I came back home, I think that I was just kind of in the mindset of like, I'm very feeling very at peace. And I think I'm going to remove the parts of my life that are not making me feel at peace because I just got used to like every day, like, you know, that kind of like mental exhaustion that you feel a lot of the time was just gone. And I don't know, I just think, yeah, it made it all worth it. And it was a really incredible experience. I think so as well. And me and Sarah Caroline, like at that point when we were planning this trip, like I feel both of us were getting over California, like the weather was gloomy. Even though we've set up this amazing lives for ourselves, like we weren't being super grateful, I guess. And going somewhere like that, like just literally being there serving nature for the week and coming back like to civilization, we're like, oh my God, why did I ever feel like, why did I take it for granted? And even having like friends and stuff around and the people you love, like I definitely think that was needed for us to do this summer. Well, Blaine, thank you so much for joining our little Costa Rica recap. It was so fun to have you on this episode. And thank you guys for listening to our whole trip and our journey. Allie, we hope you have a great moving week. And we will see you guys all next week on Co-Car Sister. Bye.